When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep in the post. Lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace. What a jump ball. Down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play in the first half. Burst from Rodney, stuck into the rim. Count that baby in a foul. Reggie inside for Andre in a dynamite dunk. Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolano, and joining me as always, my sidekick, my co host, Aaron Johnson. How are you doing, buddy? Doing good, Mike. You know, we're we're in that time of the year now, officially the off season. And honestly, I think this is one I enjoy potting the most, talking about all the potential things that can happen. You know, this is kind of right there, I think, with like the trade deadline when there's all those those names on the market and the moves being talked about. The the offseason is full of that kind of same type of the talk with the draft, with free agency. So uh, I'm excited to get into this time after a Pistons season that was filled with not so much on-court success, but we'll get into a big off-season for them throughout the off-season, uh, and, and and just go go week by week through through it for for the Pistons. Right. Do you think that the NBA off-season holds a different a different level of interest to the other major sports? I no one no one waited up until midnight every night to watch a show or to be on Twitter when free agency was starting in the NBA, uh, you know, compared to other sport leagues. I mean, it's just a whole nother phenomenon. I think summer league like that, that summer uh, of, you know, younger guys playing and seeing the first, you know, seeing the, the, the high picks and all those different types of players, those guys that, you know, make a name for themselves in the summer league. Then you have the free agency of the draft. There's just so much, and it, it, it kind of really all happens. Once it gets going, it, it all happens really quickly, and they all follow right after each other. And it just it's, – it's great entertainment value because you have the season end, the, the playoffs end, and then you only have a couple weeks until the draft, and then you get right into summer league, so you get to see those draft picks. You get to see them play with some of the teams, uh, already young pieces and fringe roster players. Then you get into free agency and you get to hear about the trades and all of the different types of things going on. It is an entertainment level that, that no other league has been able to captivate quite like the NBA. Yeah. And summer league is back. Um, that is official. So the NBA will have a summer league in Las Vegas in August, which is, which is great. Um, we had talked about being excited about the prospect of it last pod. And now we have some confirmation. So there will be summer league that that is fun. I will say out of all the, you know, summer activities or off-season activities, I do think the NBA drums up the most interest. The NFL is probably a pretty close second because that's pretty dependent, I guess, on the previous off-season where we had Aaron Rodgers wanting out and 
a couple other things falling down the, the pipeline there. But yeah, the NBA, it, I mean, between the summer league interest and the free agency, I think there's, there's really nothing like it. Um, and we're really, really excited uh, to get started. Um, it is an important off season. We have some excellent topics uh, that we are going to get to, uh, but first, when you get to our first ad read, and that is Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And it's totally free to sign up. If you head on over to the website betonline.ag, you can go there or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, the website betonline.ag, or you can use your mobile device to sign up today and you will receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's go ahead and move right into our first topic, uh, and that is the NBA draft, which we promised last week we would talk about the NBA draft and start to get into some prospects and things. And our first little uh, toe dip into the pool uh, that is the NBA draft was a roundtable discussion uh, that we had some of our writers. It was posted on palacepistons.com. Um, we just ran a simple tankathon. And if you're unfamiliar with what tankathon is, basically it's just a website that simulates the NBA uh, draft order um, and then assigns prospects to those teams. So I, I ran a tankathon um, spin and the Pistons wound up fifth. So I had our, our guys put together a little bit of a round table uh, to talk about who they would select fifth overall in this fantasy land. The Wolves get Kate Cunningham at one, the Magic get Jalen Suggs at two, the Cavaliers get Evan Mobley at three, and the Rockets get Jalen Green at four, and the Pistons pick fifth. So we had a relatively, um, I think it was interesting, you know, set of picks from our guys here. Jonathan Kuminga was the most uh, repeated name on that list. Um, he seems to have cemented himself into the fifth pick, but I think that that is very movable uh, in terms of guys shooting up the draft boards, very similar to what Patrick Williams did last year. Um, and with those big four off the board, you know, Detroit can get a little bit, they can, they can pick it, you know, be a, a little bit more picky. They could maybe be incentivized to trade down. Um, it kind of, this, this kind of moves into your other um, topic question here, which is, do they draft the best player available or do they draft for fit? I, and I think at the fit pick, you can make an argument that you could pick for positional fit. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I, and I, I think when you take a guy like Jonathan Kuminga, obviously he's more of a three. And I think, if you are Detroit and you want to talk yourself into, well, he's the best player available and he also fits our position, you can probably get away with playing Sadiq Bay at the two spot. Uh, you know, Bay is six, seven. He played some two guard this year, not a ton of it, but you could talk yourself into that. Um, I, I think when you're at five, it gets a little bit harder to, to, answer that question when it's coming down to the best player available or positional fit, because if you're picking one to three, you're getting a guy that is going to play your position because you have needs at the shooting guard spot. And 
theoretically you have a need at the center spot if you take Evan Mobley because you've already talked about moving Isaiah Stewart to the power forward spot and getting him to, to play there. Once you get to five, you're probably looking at a forward of some sort. Jonathan Kuminga uh, is certainly the guy that's being talked about the most. But if you want to go for position, you can talk yourself into James Bonite. That's who Tim Tim Forkin uh, wrote about in the roundtable that you guys did. And I, I, that was a name that I had mentioned uh, last week on the podcast. That's a guy that can score the ball. Uh, he's drawing some some very <laughs> nice and I probably very generous uh, evaluations. He's being compared to Devin Booker. I mean, that's you're probably not getting a Devin Booker at five in this year's draft, but that's of the ilk that he's being uh, compared to. Um, so if you wanted to draft for position, you're probably going after a guy like Bonite if you're going for best player available, but also trying to somehow squeeze fit in there. You can talk yourself into Jonathan Kuminga and, and, and hope that either he or Sadiq Bay, more likely Sadiq Bay, uh, can play at the two guard spot. But, you know, I think if Detroit's drafting five, they're going to have that option of being able to pick between a Kuminga, a Bo Knight, a Moses Moody, another guard. Like, so there will be some wing options for them and, and they'll have that opportunity to kind of decide, do we want to maybe take the highest ceiling type guy in Kuminga where if this guy really pans out, he's going to be really freaking good, but he doesn't necessarily fit perfectly with our team. Or do we go after a guy like Moody or Bo Knight, and and we have our two guards to to go into next season with as a development piece. So we had two of our guys talk about trading down, and I think at five, you could make the argument for trading down. Uh, if you're not in love with Jonathan Kaminga, if you're not in love with James Bo Knight, if you're not in love with you know those those guys who are in that glut in the five to 10 range or so trading down, certainly not a bad option. Um, Moses Moody was mentioned in this round table as a potential guy um, to take. And I think that that is a pretty interesting pick as well. Um, what do you think about trading down from five in, in, in both of our writers instances, this was Tyler and Dylan. They both talked about trading down and they both picked on the Sacramento Kings <laughs> which is apt. I get it. Um, and then grabbing a first round pick next year. What do you think about trading down uh, if you are at five or even six? Yeah, If Detroit drops all the way to five or six and, and you can get a team like Sacramento to send you a first round pick uh, uh, from next year, along with their first round pick from this year. I mean, that's just an absolute win. If you're able to, because the way I see it, I think this draft after four, there's not a whole lot of separation between the guys that come after. You know, there's there's Bo Knight, there's Kuminga, there's Davion Mitchell, there's Moses Moody, there's uh, Keon Johnson. Like, there's five more guys right there that you can go after. A guy that's running up the draft board right now is Josh Giddy from Australia. I, he's not someone that I think Detroit should take considering he is another pass first kind of tall guard. Whereas Detroit really already has that. Uh, 
pass first type guard, but there's a lot of different names that are kind of right along that same level in terms of where the rat is a prospect. And if you're able to nab a, a, a top or excuse me, not a top five pick next year, but you're able to add a, a, another high, most likely high level first round pick because the Kings just don't make the playoffs or aren't are a lottery team every single year. I think you have to do that because next year's draft is supposed to be another pretty solid draft. You give yourselves another asset while still getting to draft uh, in the lottery, most likely of this year's draft. I mean, I think that that's a, would be very, very solid for Detroit, especially if they can get a team like Sacramento uh, to do that because, Hey, you never know. You still might end up with James Bonite at 10. I mean, this draft, you know, I think Kuminga is probably a lock at five, but after that, Six through 10, six through 12, like that's all incredibly interchangeable. And you could potentially still end up with someone that you maybe would have taken at five or six if you were to trade back. Yeah, yeah, the the drop-off after four, you know, the difference between like 10 and four is 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 a pretty steep drop-off. Um so I don't, I actually don't mind the, the, the prospect of trading back. I think it would be, I think the fans would, would be unhappy. Um, just, just that it looks like they're, you know, it's sort of a bad look to trade down typically, you know, in a, in a vacuum, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, it really is going to depend on those ping pong balls and where they fall um, because the lottery is just so random, you know, you never really know exactly how it's going to fall. I mean, I, I did a tank thon spin right after this one where the Spurs jumped 11 spots uh, to one, you know, weird crap like that can happen. That just totally throws all of this, all of this off. Mock drafts are very difficult in the NBA. It's really big boards that make more sense because the lottery just throws everything totally, totally off. Um, anything else on that round table that jumped out to you? Well, I liked, I like Tyler's, trade idea if Detroit could end up with the 10th pick a, a, a first round pick from from next year from Sacramento that's top five protected and, and uh, taking on Marvin Bagley I know there were stories that came out uh, from around the trade deadline that the Kings couldn't get rid of Marvin Bagley at all no one wanted him I don't know I mean I, he's not a bad player he does some positive things on the court but if there's that much baggage with him I guess it's probably smart to stay away from him, but outside of the off the court stuff, a trade like that is, is, is really appealing. Um, but I, I liked Tim's idea of James Bonite. That's just a guy that if I'm at five and I'm Detroit, or if I'm at six and I'm Detroit, he's right there with Jonathan Kuminga as the two guys that I'm seriously looking at taking if I decide to keep that pick. And, you know, Bonite's one of those guys who you, just for whatever reason, at least to me, feels like a guy that could shoot himself up the board uh, because he is that potent scorer and he could score at different levels. And he does fit well, you know, as, as a two. That's, that's the position that we've been saying for months that the Pistons are, you know, that's, that's the one hole. You figured out the other parts of the starting lineup and the bench, um, but figuring out the two-guard spot is, is one of the one of the areas and it, it can be filled by a lot of those guys up there between green and Kate Cunningham, but James Bonite would also fill that pretty nicely. And I do think that you can get him later than that. Um, 
if you do some crafty trading back. Um, I just feel bad about, you know, the poor Kings, although, you know, they're bringing back Luke Walton. So maybe they would make that sort of trade. You never really know. Um, it's their own fault. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a confounding organization that, uh, continues to confound now well into the second decade of ineptitude. They're a mess. There's, there's no other way to put it. I mean, bringing back Luke Walton is just a tragic decision for a franchise that just needs so badly to be any sort of relevant in, in a positive way. And they just continue to, to make a mockery of themselves. And that news about uh, Dave Vanterpool not returning um, with the Timberwolves, that sort of deal just kind of like, you think that's a coach that would fit very nicely with De'Aaron Fox and the young pieces in Sacramento, but instead they went with Luke Walton again. It's just, it is really just tragedy. Um, so yeah, I, I do like, I, I do like Tim's idea, but I like the, I, I honestly like the prospect of trading down too. So um, it'll be very, very interesting to see, uh, see what the draft or what the draft order is. It's just, it just throws everything up. It's, it's just totally random. So yeah, we're what, like um, about a month away from that. We are just about a month away. Yes. So in one month we will either have broken hearts or we'll be jumping for joy. Oh man. That's going to be a very interesting podcast following the lottery. It, it will be interesting, um, but it'll, it will give us some clarity at least. We're either going to be singing some beautiful tunes or you're going to hear the fire coming out of our throat after, <laughs> after the lottery. I mean, it's going to, it's only going to go one way. Right. There is no middle ground um, for all the wonderful tanking that uh, the Pistons have done this year. It would be very disappointing for them to end up with five. I mean, I think I called it doomsday in the round table when I was editing it. I don't necessarily think it's a doomsday, but it's pretty close to doomsday. Um, given how well they've it, tanked and how well of a position they put themselves in. It's pretty freaking close to doomsday. <laughs> yeah, it would be, uh, it would, it would be pretty bad, but I feel confident in Troy Weaver to make the right choice, uh, whoever that may be. And speaking of making right choices, support for the pit, for the palace of Pistons podcast is brought to you by manscaped, which is the best choice in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels, and they just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the lawnmower 4.0. That's right. 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code POP at manscaped.com. That's POP at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping if you use the code POP. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Yeah, a little bit better at weaving that in there. You did good. Little, little, little bit better. You did, and and now I'm really ready to get going into my favorite topic of this podcast, <laughs> the summer league. Um, I'm not even totally sure that you didn't just add this at the last second because you wanted to talk about the summer league. Cause I don't remember seeing summer league in here. So if you did that, that is, that's very crafty work, my friend. Um, but yes, the summer league is back. That's been 
confirmed uh, by multiple sources now that the NBA will bring back the summer league. And we had a lengthy, maybe some would say too lengthy discussion last week. And if you did say that it was too lengthy, um, I have bad news for you because the next several weeks of this podcast are probably going to be uninteresting to you if you don't find summer league interesting. Um, the Pistons could have a very, very competitive summer league roster. And since you are so excited, Aaron, I'll let you go first. The composition of this roster, I mean, you could have multiple high-end players plus another high pick that the Pistons take in the draft. What is what is the roster going to look like for, for summer league? Yeah, so if Detroit keeps all of their draft picks, they have four draft picks in the draft, as we mentioned earlier, and then they bring on the likes of Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, Saban Lee, Tyler Cook, Davidas Servitas. You're looking at 11 players that will be under contract on Detroit's summer league roster. That's essentially unheard of. Now, the likelihood of that actually happening, probably rather slim. I'm imagining that Detroit moves at least one of those second round picks uh, come draft day. But still, Detroit's Summer League team is going to be absolutely insane if everyone plays uh, that is likely to. Originally, I was under the belief that neither of Sadiq Bey or Isaiah Stewart would play, but it certainly seems like some other people, maybe a little bit more plugged into the organization, think that they will. And after thinking about it a little bit more, these rookies did not get a summer league. They did not get a full first offseason. They did not get a full 82 NBA game season. It really kind of makes all the sense in the world that they play, even though they had really successful rookie seasons and looked absolutely like they belonged on the NBA court. Um, but it, it could just be a masterful, masterful summer league team. I mean, you're talking about a lineup that could essentially be Detroit's Regular season starting lineup minus Jeremy Grant, if they put out Killian Hayes, the their first round draft pick, Sadiq Bay, maybe Davidas Servitas, Tyler Cook, and then Isaiah Stewart at the five. You know, let's say it's it's Jalen Green for example. You're talking about Hayes, Green, Sadiq Bay, Tyler Cook, and Isaiah Stewart as your starting five. Next year in the regular season, that probably could be your starting lineup. You know, it's probably not too far off. So, like I said, you're a Jeremy Grant away from that being your starting lineup or most optimal starting lineup, I, I guess, uh, in that sense. But Detroit Summer League team has a chance to be historically good. I am incredibly excited for it. I think for guys like Killian Hayes and Saban Lee, it's absolutely imperative that they play. I think that Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart should play. It seems like they are going to play. Even if they don't play the whole way, they only play a couple games, it will still be good for them to go out there and get some competition. And then obviously Detroit's going to have a top five, six pick uh, in there as well. So that will be incredibly fun. I mean, Detroit should just be an absolute force to reckon with in, in I believe it's mid-August this year. Yeah, it is. It's like, it starts on the eighth, maybe something like that. Yeah, it's later. It's, it's it's later than it normally is. Yeah, it's like it's like a little bit over a month. It's like a month and a week because it usually starts the first week of July, and it's not until like the second week of second or third week 
of August, but it's still incredibly, incredibly excited for it. And there should be a lot of good things to, to watch for in it. Yeah, if you're a betting man, would you say that Killian Hayes is going to play? I I would bet on Killian Hayes playing. I mean, this is a, a, a rookie that did not get to play a large chunk of his rookie season, did not get a full first NBA offseason, did not get an NBA summer league, did not get a full regular season had he even been healthy. You know, there was only – there wasn't 82 games this year. So I think it makes all the sense in the world for a guy like Killian Hayes to perform. It should be an opportunity for him to get some confidence, show off some, some new stuff, try out some new things just get more comfort on the court and again, get to play with guys that he's going to be playing with a lot uh, next year and in the future. So if I'm a betting man, Keelan Hayes, not only should be playing, he needs to be playing for his development's sake. Yeah, I, I think so too. And just given the strange season we had plus his injury, I think it's really important for him to play. And if Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart play, I mean, you're, you're getting camaraderie with the probable starting lineup or at least core rotation pieces for, for next year. Um, so it's not just a matter of him getting more comfortable um, performing basic basketball tasks after having a very uh, up and down rookie year between being on the court, off the court, not having hardly any off season, all the COVID restrictions in place that made it difficult um, after the draft to really learn um, and, and work with your teammates. So I think it's also, I mean, not just a matter of him being comfortable, but playing with guys that, you know, ideally are going to be starters and or core rotational pieces. So what would you want to see out of the summer league team? I mean, what sorts of players do you want to see filling out the back end of that roster? Anybody in particular, any, any positions in particular? Well, I think it, it would be interesting for Detroit to maybe grab a couple guys in the front court that maybe have something to prove. I know a couple of years ago they had and oh there I was trying to remember his name and I did remember it. They had a Benny Boatwright, I believe was his name. I'm pretty close if that wasn't his exact name, but I believe it was Benny Boatwright. And he never even ended up getting to play in summer league. I think he got hurt. But that was that was like the kind of guy, an undrafted guy that put up some nice numbers in college, but didn't get drafted that's those are the kind of players that I'd like to tr see Detroit fill out the rest of that roster with you know I think you know, maybe maybe Sekou plays I maybe gets a couple games um even so I mean Detroit's Detroit's already going to have so much of their roster and so much of their rotation already figured out for summer league and for you know obviously the regular season moving forward obviously but it's really just going to need to be a couple guys that maybe just want to take a chance on that might have an actual le legitimate potential because you want to be able to use, see a, a good amount of them because again, I, and I think this is how it goes for most young players in, in summer league that have already kind of done some stuff in the league. You're not going to see them all four five, six games that each team plays in summer league. They're probably going to play two or three games and then sit out. Like I don't envision City play, Bay playing all four, five, six games. I envision oh, no, 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 three, three, maybe four. Same goes for Isaiah Stewart. Now a guy like Killian Hayes, maybe he sits out one or two games, but he's probably playing the majority of it. I want to see a couple guys that went undrafted this year or previous, you know, this upcoming draft or the previous draft 
maybe they got a shot in the G League or maybe they put up decent numbers in college but just didn't make the cut, give them a chance and, and see because you're going to get a decent look at them at some point. You might as well see what they got. And, and, and do it at a position where you're going to need some help potentially, like the front court, the four or five spot. Maybe you grab a two guard. You really don't need a point guard per se because you're going to have Killian Hayes. You're going to have Saban Lee. You, know, you can grab some. You know, it doesn't really matter who you have as your third string point guard for summer league, but yeah, a couple guys that actually maybe somewhat interest you at the two guard or the four or five spot, and just to see what they have to offer because you're going to get a look for it at, at some point. Yeah, and uh, you know, ideally, you'll have Kate Cunningham there too, so you'll have plenty, plenty of playmakers and point guard type players uh, to throw out there. Um, I'm excited for summer league. Had I known maybe a little bit earlier that it was going to happen. I, I would always love to go out to Vegas and check it out. I think that would be a great, um, a great time, especially after the year that we've just had where everyone's itching to travel and stuff. It seems like it's a great time. And uh, a lot of, a lot of NBA Twitter goes and participates and meets up. And uh, that's just one of those unique experiences that uh, it's probably going to be made just a little bit sweeter post post pandemic, even though still in a pandemic, but, the rest of the world seems to believe that, you know, it's pretty much over, but that would be a, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It's absolutely on the bucket list of mine. I really have been wanting to go and sooner or sooner rather than later, I am going to get out there for summer league. I mean, I think I get more excited on the pod for summer league than most things. So you guys know yeah. pretty near and dear to me. It, it, it is near and dear to you. Um, like Mitch McGarry which is still – it's got to be a top we five bring podcast him up. highlight. We got to bring him up every podcast. Yeah, yeah. We have to have a Mitch McGarry counter um, <laughs> or, like, how many days since a uh, Mitch McGarry mention. Um, speaking of Mitch McGarry, and this has nothing to do with him, um, <laughs> with free agency – Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my since goodness. since uh, since we're talking about filling out rosters and things, free agency. I mean, we had talked about earlier in the pod. NBA free agency is bonkers. I mean, when when Woj is tweeting, "Good lord!" I mean, there's just few things. There are a few things that I remember about sports off seasons than NBA free agency. I mean, when Demarcus Cousins signed with Golden State, I remember what chair I was sitting in when I scrolled and saw that, and then watched. NBA Twitter explode with just fear that Golden State went out and got DeMarcus Cousins to add to their death lineup. It's like a beyond a death lineup. I mean, free agency is one of those fun times. Um, staying up to midnight, like you said, just one. It's just a cool experience. Um, on the and I like to be side, uh, a part of it. On the flip side, I'll never forget sitting at my kitchen table reading that the Lakers just signed Timothy Moskov to a four-year, $64 million deal. You think of <laughs> That's the NBA Lakers champion, Timothy Moskov. Forming a super team with the Warriors. I think about Timothy Moskov signing for $64 million. World champion, Timothy Moskov, signing for $64 million. Yeah. The Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, and uh, that was just one of those off-seasons that – we're not going to see again for a while with the sudden cap explosion. That was, that was, that was wild. 
2016, I, I thought. Thank yeah. Absolutely. When Detroit was the mystery team that Al Horford really liked but ended up going elsewhere. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I won't forget reading that. Detroit was the mystery team. I was – I think I was on vacation when that came out. And I was, it's like I got like a million messages. Did you hear we almost got Al Horford? I'm like, what? <laughs> but, yeah, that was the year that so much money – just got doled out so many bad contracts. Luel Dang. I mean, man, there were a lot of a lot of a lot of money dish. Horrible, horrible contracts, yes. And uh Mozgov's gotta be at the top of the list because that contract was just I mean, they had to trade away um D'Angelo Russell just to get off of that contract. You know, D'Angelo Russell was like the almost a salary dump. Um, because that contract was so freaking bad. I mean, I, I, a lot of people, a lot of front office people got away with doing some terrible things that off season, that type of money, like you said, it, it's, you're not going to see an off season like that for a very long time. Just for fun, because I like playing, you know, little games on this pod, the, uh, extensions that were signed so the big ones were Durant, obviously going to Golden state Dwayne wade signed a two-year 47 million dollar deal with the bulls and lebron's three-year 100 million dollar with the Cavs. harden got a contract extension cj mccollum got a contract extension russell westbrook got a contract extension andre drummond got his five-year 130 million dollar contract with detroit woohoo um <laughs> hassan whiteside Four years, 98 mil. I mean, woof and a half. Like, woof and a half. Nicholas Batum, five years, 120 with the Hornets. Yikes. Double woof. Double woof. Ish Smith, three-year contract with the Pistons. They don't even show the money because he was obviously worth infinite amounts of value that they just couldn't calculate it. 18 million. I remember that. DJ Augustine with the Magic. Al, Al Jefferson. Good old Al Jefferson. Uh, boy, some good throwback names. Mirza Toledovic, Jared Bayless. I'm loving this. Matthew Delavadova, four years, 38 million. That is, that's a travesty. I mean, quite honestly, just a complete travesty. Yeah, we're, we're not going to see that for a very long time. Etoine Moore, a huge contract. Joe Kim Noah, the four-year, $72 million contract with Joe Kim Noah that, I mean, I don't even know what happened in the last two years. Did they stretch him? I, I, I don't even remember but he didn't play. He did not um, long in New York at all. No, he, he did not. I'm just going to go through like two or three more because this is enjoyable. John Lure, my friend. How much did uh, the Pistons sign John Lure for? 41. <laughs> Four years, $42 million. You're very close. Good job. Yeah. Oh, uh, because, it's, because, it's, because it's very forgettable. <laughs> I think it was technically 41 and a half. Damn it, I'm pissed I forgot that. Well, it like I said, it's super, super forgettable. Um, Blue all dang, four years, seventy-two million dollars with the Lakers. What were the Lakers doing? Uh, Jan Mahinmi, four years, sixty-four million with the Wizards. That is a pretty freaking bad contract, too. That is a pretty bad contract. Andrew Nicholson, four years, twenty-six million with the Wizards. Oh my God, I killed it in two K with that guy. 
he well, he got twenty six million from the Wizards. So obviously Washington was watching you play, and they thought, yeah, yep, <laughs> absolutely. That's when they signed Rondo and Wade. The Bulls went for Rondo and Wade to make a the brick city. Alphas, the three alphas wasn't that what it was called? Yeah. You just want to do yeah, a well, whole podcast of us just throw throwbacking about players and and signing. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's pretty neat. That's on that. Harrison Barnes, four years, ninety-four million with Dallas. Wow, that didn't work out as as they hoped. No, it really, really didn't. Uh, Jason Smith, three years, sixteen mil. Richard Dude. Jefferson, that's not that bad of a deal. Yeah. Who's Mingus? Who's who's Mingus? Oh, Min- Mendegas. Who's Minskus? Oh my gosh. This is big time, big time throwback stuff. Anyway, yeah. So free agency. We're not going to obviously have that again for a very long time. Hopefully, for the sake of everybody involved, hopefully that does not happen again. Um, but this free agency, we we sort of talked about players that the Pistons should add to their back end of the summer league roster just to see what sticks. Um, should Detroit be active in free agency, and if so, is there anything that they should be looking to add? And I think this is totally dependent on where they sit in the draft. Yeah, their free agency kind of really depends on what they do in the draft. If they end up taking a guy like Evan Mobley, maybe they want to go out and and try to sign a bigger name, two-guard wing in free agency. Um, But even so, I, I think it should be a quieter free agency for Detroit. I think so much of their roster is already figured out. So many guys already under contract. You don't need to go make a big splash move right now. I, I, I think with having money tied up in a couple dead contracts and needing to have some money for extensions, you're going to have to pay a guy like Hamadou Diallo if you want to keep him. You don't need to go out and sign a bunch of big names and spend a bunch of money You've got a decision to make this year with Diallo. Uh, you know, he's going to be a, a restricted free agent in 2021. So he's going to be a restricted free agent this summer. You're probably going to be offering him ballpark around $10 million annually. You're going to spend some money there. Outside of that, you probably need to dial it back a little bit. You don't have a ton of holes to fill anyway. You're going to have a top five pick. You can use a, a one or two of your second round picks to get a couple third string guys if you really wanted to. You know, maybe you spend a little bit uh, of money on a, a. I don't even know where because you you've got everything you need unless you want to go sign a third string center uh, and, and get rid of Jaleel Okafor because this roster, like I said, it's it's pretty figured out. Under contract, you've got Killian Hayes and Saban Lee at the point guard spot. You've got Guys like Josh Jackson and 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 Frank Jackson at, at the two guard spot. Um, you have Sadiq Bay obviously at the three. You've got Jeremy Grant. You've got Sekou Mboya, Stewart, Mason Plumley. Like there's a lot of names that have already got guaranteed contracts on your roster. You're gonna have probably at least two, maybe three or four guys coming from the draft there's not going to be a lot of roster spots anyway. So it's, it's probably going to be re-sign Hamadou Diallo and one, two small moves from there. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think if you get Cade Cunningham, that speeds up your timeline of make the playoffs and you could be one of those playoff teams next year because that's really just a home run. I mean, with the growth that Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart showed, plus the play that Jeremy Grant showed, plus the potential of Killian Hayes, plus Cade Cunningham, I think that projects you into that bottom tier of the Eastern Conference playoffs, coupled with the Eastern Conference being really bad. Um, and I think that that might, you know, it, it could change the free agency trajectory that maybe they want to add an impact player immediately um, that pays, you know, immediate dividends to make that playoff push more of a reality. But I agree. I don't think they need to add anything specifically that, you know, at that level, I think filling out the roster with quality guys that um, fill, you know, small needs in the short term to round out the roster and augment those young players is, is definitely the smart decision. Um, We just went through a whole bunch of not smart free agency decisions. I think it makes a lot more sense to, um, play it safe. And, you know, Troy Weaver is a bit of a wild card and that draft pick is going to impact things. But um, yeah, I agree. Playing it safe in free agency, especially after the bizarre COVID year that we just had um, is, is just definitely, definitely the safer move. If I'm Detroit, I'm, I'm waving Jaleel Okafor, eating that dead money. I believe his t- contract was guaranteed for the second year uh it might not have been maybe it was a non-guaranteed so i didn't you can get rid of them and, and not have to worry about the two million anyway uh but i'm i'm signing a back a third string center and i'm signing a veteran back end point guard and not as back end as like a jose calderon or maybe this is a real throwback if you really want to throw back steve blake uh but i'm going you know, a guy that's a little bit better than that not as good as maybe a Corey Joseph because then he's fighting for rotation minutes and he's taking minutes from a guy like Saban Lee off the bench, but somewhere in the middle of Corey Joseph and Steve Blake, finding that veteran point guard third string can play if there's injuries, just be a veteran to have for your young guards. That's where I would be spending and, and using my roster spots that really aren't even available anyway, if I'm Detroit. Yeah. Okafor is definitely expendable, but you, you sort of said that, you know, this roster is kind of filled out already. And most of the pieces that you want to see next year are already here. You're really just waiting on that pick, you know, and, and that, that will sort of fit the puzzle together quite a bit tighter. And then you can make more um, sound d- decisions in the following off season when you're, you know, you've got two years of time with your young guys and, you have a better idea of where the team is headed and the needs that are, are necessary for the next playoff team. Um, I overall don't think free agency is going to be that uh, <laughs> substantial this, this time around just because the, the free agency pool is, is, is not quite um, as full as maybe we thought it was going to be like two years ago. A lot of guys signing extensions sort of changes that. Um, but the Pistons just need to be smart. You know, they've been smart the whole, the whole way through this rebuild. They've made good decisions in the draft. They've made smart free agency signings. They've let guys go that, you know, probably should have been let go. They've eaten the money where it was necessary, like with Blake Griffin. I would hate to see 
a rash decision be made because there is an opportunity to maybe get a, you know, a higher impact player, but it, you know, it's, it still carries some level of risk. I would just hate to see that undone by one free agency signing. Yeah, it would. And it would, it would be unlike Troy Weaver from what we've seen from him so far in his tenure, that is a last regime type of decision. So that would be shocking, but you're absolutely right in that being a, would be a really poor decision to go out and spend big money on a player when, your answers are internal. Your answers are in this draft. Your answers are in in-house development, not outside sources. Yeah. And, you know, it seemed like Jared Allen was, was the guy that I think the Pistons, you know, he fits so perfectly um, and him having restricted free agency, I think, cause I was thinking about this with a round table and we've talked about this a little bit in the Fear of the Sword chats, you know, if the Cavaliers end up with Evan Mobley, like he just falls into their lap, you know, Cade's first, Jalen Suggs is second, Jalen Green's third. You end up with Evan Mobley. I don't necessarily think that, you know, I guess a decision would have to be made because you can't play him and Jared Allen. You can't play him and Larry Nance probably. There's, there's just so much positional overlap. I think there is a scenario in which Jared Allen has a sign and trade and they stick with Evan Mobley. And I think that you might see some of those types of moves more, more likely in free agency, like with John Collins. Um, that sort of deal, I think, could happen. Um, but it would take really interesting circumstances because with the Hawks making the playoffs and doing it in the way that they did, I think now – you know, maybe they want to try to find a way to keep John Collins and offload someone like Boyan Bogdanovich. Those are the kind of tricky moves that I think are much more likely to happen this offseason than some, you know, than, than other like massive, massive, uh, you know, like cataclysmic landslide decisions. What do Cavs fans know? Like, how do you already know the Cavs are moving up in the draft? Like, it must be nice to <laughs> that your team every year is going to move up at least a couple positions in the lottery. You're already making deals, assuming that you're getting a top. <laughs> Does Detroit slide back in this situation? Like where's Detroit since you know what's going on? I wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I knew. I, I, I could put down some serious money on bet online and make some serious cash if I knew all of that. I mean, we've done a lot of Tankathon articles over there. So, so we've run through all these scenarios many, many times over. And I think the Cavs were, when I did the Tankathon role like 10 times, the Cavs were like somewhere around six. So it's unlikely that this scenario obviously happens. You know, it takes a very specific set of ping pong balls falling to have Evan Mobley slide to four. I don't think he's going to do that. He's, he's too good to slide past two. He, he, I know he's probably too good to slide past two, I think. Um, but if a decision has to be made like that, you know, I could see the Cavs having to do that. And Jared Allen's one of those guys that would fetch quite a bit on this pretty barren market right now. And, um, you know, him and like John Collins, like I said, or Buddy Heels, you know, those, those are some of the moves that, that could be made. He's not a restricted free agent, but he's another guy that, you know, could be packaged as, as part of something like that. 
Yeah, I, I think you make a good point. I think you could see moves like that, those sign-and-trade type deals. And I think Cleveland's an interesting scenario that you bring up because, you know, even in the, the top four or five, if they get there, they're looking at a guard where they already have a couple of those that they're building around in Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. And then in the center spot where they have a guy like Jared Allen, who I think is a pretty promising centerpiece for them. So what do they do? You know, do they try to trade back? Do they, do they take that, that guard or that center and then Evan Mobley and, and package the, the outsider like a Colin Sexton or Jared Allen and move on from them? You know, I, it's, yeah, that's that's an interesting point in a scenario that if I'm a Caps person, I'm I'm looking at uh, and you know, watching because you could actually see some some significant shakeup. I mean, if they move on from a guy like Sexton, that's that that would be a pretty significant play for them, considering Sexton had a pretty solid season, albeit still under pretty significant scrutiny from his team, apparently. Yeah. Uh he is one of the worst defensive players in the league, and that negative defensive value so drastically pulls his overall value down that it would take it, it would take such a high level of efficient offensive output to make up for it that it's just not even remotely possible he's he he got better this year than last year he is maybe the most polarizing player and this is not even an exaggeration he might actually be the most polarizing player cuz when those sorts of stories came out about his teammates not liking playing with them, opposing teams, you know, mocking the other Cavaliers, knowing that Colin Sexton wouldn't pass. When those stories came out, NBA Twitter, maybe it was just a slow news day or something. It seemed like everybody had an opinion on Colin Sexton. It was just very, very strange. So, you know, maybe somebody like him does get moved. Maybe Jared Allen does get moved. I think that there is going to be a point where the Cavs need to really look at that some some sort of move because you've got a glut you've got overlapping positions you've got Kevin Love that is making a lot of money and is untradeable seemingly you've got a lot of overlapping skill sets but with Nance and Allen I mean that those two on the floor together just it just kills the spacing so bad the defense is good but the spacing is so bad they have a lot of things to to think about and you know they could have some pieces and likewise with Atlanta you know and John Collins I think they're in a similar position of where hey they just made the playoffs with John Collins playing pretty darn well you know they are going to have to make some some choices um, and while also trying to continue to get better so I'm you know we kind of poo-pooed the free agency this offseason that it's going to be a little slower but I think there's still potential for some for some very interesting moves. No doubt. And for the record, my opinion on Colin Sexton is I like him. I think he's a good player. Sure. Does he need to develop and and make some advancements to his game? Yeah, he does. But guess what? Every young player has to do that. This is a guy that just averaged 24 points per game. You don't average 24 points over a season being a bad player. Like it just doesn't happen. Colin Sexton, just like every other young player has room to grow, but he still had a very nice season in Cleveland. I appreciate the positivity because you turn and go to Cleveland sports Twitter in general, and it's just more or less a cesspool of disgustingness. Yeah. And it's, and it's so bad. There's an ambulance outside right now. It sounds a lot like Pistons Twitter at times. I mean, you, you see yeah. the same type of. Say coup. 
killing yeah. Hayes. I mean, it's it, it's bad. There's just something I about rebuilding every, fans. Every fan base, you know, you're gonna yeah. see that, that vitriol from a certain group. Anytime, any you know, there's a young player or any player really in discussion. So it's it's not surprising. Yeah, it's just fans of rebuilding teams. You know, we have you know we're very frustrated. We want things to work out. We saw the promised land, or we got close, and you know we want to get back to it. And it's just it's it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Um, but the Pistons have a, you know, they have the core together. We've said this for weeks and weeks and weeks. They have the core. They've got some good pieces and they, they've done an expert job tanking. So let's not ruin that with some brash free agency signings. Um, Aaron, anything else you want to cover, uh, on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast? Well, you know, I think it's, it's a, as we're recording, get a little bit of news. Jeremy Grant named a finalist for the most improved player of the year award. So He's probably not winning it. He's a finalist along with Michael Porter Jr. and Julius Randle. I think it's pretty much a lock that Randle is going to win, but certainly a, a, a bit of, a, a, you know, a bit of congratulatoriness to, if that's a word, to Jeremy Grant for, you know, getting into that top three and earning a spot there. He had a really nice season in Detroit, so he gets a little bit of recognition. That's the word I was looking for. Um, by being named a top three finalist for the Most Improved Player Award. And very, very deserved. I mean, very, very deserved. It's pretty rare. I think I'd have to look back at the list of Most Improved Player Award winners for a guy on such a bad team to win the award. Um, But he was legitimately showing things off that the Nuggets had never seen, that, that we had never seen from him and, you know, to carry the scoring load the way that he did on, uh, you know, on such a bad team and taking on that leadership role that he did. And, you know, he just grinned and went back at it. That is really commendable. And that means a lot. And he, he legitimately improved in so many different avenues, definitely offensively. I mean, we never thought he could carry a scoring load the way that he did and he did. And so he is, um, certainly deserving of that. Who who else was listed on um, the finalist um, list? I don't have it pulled up in front Top of me. We were uh, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, and Julius Randle. So Julius Randle's, I'm assuming he's running away with that. Yeah, you know, it's really unfortunate because he is going to win that single-handedly, and it does overshadow Jeremy Grant's season, but uh, Julius Randle you could make an argument to put him on MVP ballots. He was so good and pulled the, pulled the Knicks out of the doldrums of the East. And I think he led the league in minutes as well, minutes per game. He was legitimately uh, an MVP esque candidate. And uh, there was no one that was going to rip that away from him. You know, I remember us talking about, how Obi Toppin would be a really popular rookie of the year pick because he plays in New York and the Knicks were bad. That didn't really pan out now, did it? No. And Obi <laughs> Toppin's not looking too great. Also, the Knicks are a playoff team. So, but hey, you, you, you swing and miss. It happens. I know I've swung and missed plenty of times looking at you, Stanley Johnson. So, Oof. let's not get too down on ourselves as we end the pod. Yeah. Yeah, let's not get let's not get too down. But congrats to Jeremy Grant for being a finalist. It is a very much deserved award that he won't win because of Julius Randle. But it is still very much uh, 
know, very, very nice to see him mentioned. Uh, he did have a very, very good season for the Pistons. And, you know, some other players around him, a little bit of growth, you know, maybe next year he's uh, the leader of a playoff team. There we go. There's our, there's our positive spin yeah. to end there the podcast. Nailed right. it. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. I want to thank our sponsors again, uh, Bet Online and Manscaped. Um, I'm your host, Mike Anguilano, and with me is Aaron Johnson. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.